From Sacramento, the Bishop's Radio Hour with Bob Dunning, focusing on today's issues in the context of gospel values. Now, here's Bob Dunning on Relevant Radio. That's me. Welcome to you on this beautiful day the Lord has made. Appreciate you all being with us on the Bishop's Radio Hour as we uh, enter into our 24th year on the air. And thanks to everyone who has helped us along the way, including especially you, the listeners. And uh, we're pleased to... to realize that this is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. And we're rejoicing right now because Moises de Leon joins us, the uh, Associate Director for Family and Respect Life Ministry. And Moises, we're into a new year. We're into January. Oh, yes. A lot of pro-life activities in January. No, thank you, Bob. Yes, it's it's a busy month for us here at the Respect Life office. Like it never is otherwise. <laughs> that is true. <laughs> that's that's it's. It's just wonderful, the work you folks do. One of the important issues of our day. And it's it's one of the primary ones. So as we begin the whole year, I, I kind of see it as uh, January being uh, the beginning of life. So mm-hmm. conception, from conception to death, right. which is usually November. Right. Uh, so it's the way that uh, our year is designed. It really wraps around the culture of life. Right. So it's it's just wonderful to to start this new year as as we head off again, with conception, having Jesus be born into our world. Right. So uh, the whole emphasis on what used to be um, one of the uh, I'm, I'm not I want to call it the worst days of our uh, days, but uh, with Roe versus Wade uh, on January 22nd being overturned, so it becomes more of a joyful year for us in general in the in the states. Uh, unfortunately, here in California, we still have Prop One that passed last year. So working at, so one of the things we're trying to push in the, in the office is um, doing a pro-life Eucharistic Adoration Novena. So for nine days, uh, having our folks uh, uh, go to one of the parishes that are hosting the Novena, mm-hmm. uh, and just being in front of the Blessed Sacrament. Uh, and this is twofold. Uh, first of all, as we as we enter another whole year uh, into our um, legislative, which are going to be supporting uh, pro-choice bills and everything. Let's let's pray for them, uh, praying for our moms in needs, uh, especially those who uh, unfortunately don't have the resources or connection. So we could provide those connections, those awareness in those communities. Uh, and then second of all, as we enter into the Eucharistic novena or revival, uh, it's a great way to bring that into people's lives. Mm-hmm. Prayer and the presence of God. And at the same time, through prayer, it can lead us to action. So we're hoping that that connection is able to to fulfill this year, uh, a little bit, a little bit more, uh, more out, or uh, be more intentional about it, as as we know what we're facing this coming up year. Yeah, there's so much out there. And for those that you know that uh, don't quite understand the ins and outs of Roe v. Wade, Roe v. Wade made abortion legal in all uh, over 50 years ago in all. 50 states, uh, the overturning of Roe v. Wade did not outlaw abortion, as a number of people that I've talked to think, mm-hmm. think it did, or, or end abortion in any way. It just kicked it all back to the states. And it, it was really uh, a states' rights issue in terms of the U.S. Supreme Court. The U.S. Supreme Court did not take a stand on the validity of abortion or the immorality of abortion Mm -hmm. the supreme court simply said this is not a federal issue this is a state issue and therefore we we truly will have 50 different laws dealing with abortion and it will vary that i don't think there's what i've seen so far we don't have two states that have the identical laws about abortion we have some states that have come pretty close to an outright ban Mm -hmm. Most uh, yeah, we have some fear. that are considering that. We have some that have talked about heartbeat bills uh, when the heart starts beating, or 15 weeks, uh, those kinds of things. And then we have some like California who have gone at hyperspeed and really the the opposite direction, uh, uh, making abortion on demand at any uh, at any stage of pregnancy legal. And in fact. Um, even providing funding that wasn't available before for uh, people to come here, uh, almost encouraging people to come to California uh, if they can't get abortions in 
in their home state. Mm-hmm. So it's it's a real mixed 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 bag, and we don't we don't know the numbers yet because it's been so soon. Um, will overturning Roe v. Wade will it have actually reduced the number of abortions, or will people have just gone someplace else to get an abortion? We don't mm-hmm. we don't know yet. You you can presume it will, but but we don't have the data yet. And and that's one of the things that uh, for the Respect Life Office we really want to address is just providing resources and and connections to local uh, uh, pregnancy centers or clinics. Because many of the times uh, those resources aren't available or aren't easily available. So one of the things I know uh, Sacramento Life Center has been pushing is having uh, uh, their their site be more uh, or at least sponsored on Google. That way it pops Much up more sooner, visible. Yeah. more visible. Because that's one of the struggles we've been having. I know the Gabriel Project uh, is another way of uh, engaging our moms. And we've been trying to put out signs uh, throughout parishes. Some parishes have been been willing to take two or three signs and place them in visible places of the city. Uh, but it's that push of just creating awareness that we're here to support uh, our moms. And for those who can't or can't find a way to support uh Prayer is another great way of doing that as well. Uh, just being in front of the Blessed Sacrament, um, providing those graces to someone that might need them in, in, in their most dearest moments is also an, another great, wonderful gift to receive. Yeah, you know, I, I remain convinced, Moises, that um, if if everybody were aware of all the the help that's available all the services that are available uh just the way everybody's aware of you go to a gas station for gas you go to the grocery store to get food if everybody's aware of the, the sacramento life center of the gabriel project of saint vincent de paul uh i'm leaving you know bishop gregos uh, mother Teresa, mm-hmm. all these all these and just just good hearted decent people who are willing to help um I, I think even in California, I think you'd cut the number of abortions in half. Yeah, no Just, problem. Uh, it, 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 mm-hmm. leave, leave the legislation out of it. Leave the politics out of it. Leave all that out of it. Just if, if you have a need, we're going we're to try to help you. We're going to, as, as, as the bishop has said, as, as our many bishops have said, we're going to accompany you. We will help you. We're not here to point fingers or to mm-hmm. uh, condemn or anything else. We're just here to help you. Um, and, I, and I think as hard as those organizations all work, getting the word out to everyone that we're just here to help you. We're not anti this or pro this or any. We're just here to help you. And and if you're if you're sort of on the fence with that decision or you're making you're saying I can't afford this or I can't, we're here to help you. I, I think that uh, getting the word out is is crucial. Mm-hmm. It is uh, absolutely it is crucial. And in a state like California, your work is huge, Moises. It is. <laughs> I know that um, there has been challenges in the past, uh, but we're trying to really unify ourselves in order to move forward. And, and this, um, I know Proposition 1 last year was a huge um, uh, defeat, but I know a lot of pro-lifers in our community, uh, especially in our diocese, um, feel like it's, it's an opportunity to uh, move forward uh, in a different light, and also just see things a little bit differently. Yeah, and you know, I, I know the California Catholic Conference, representing all of our bishops here in the state of California, was presented some really incredibly good arguments mm-hmm. of, against Proposition One. There was a pretty decent coalition of of even some quote unquote pro choice groups that, yes, that, that that's true. agreed um, that this was bad legislation or bad uh, bad for uh, for a, as a constitutional amendment. But that all got lost in the uh, abortion is one of those issues that it's, oh, this is anything to do with abortion. I got to vote this way or mm-hmm. anything to do. And, and the, the dividing line is, is so bright that people don't dare dip their toes on the other side, you know. And, and so and that's, that's the way they, the, the voting ended up being was, are you in favor of abortion being legal or are you in favor of abortion being illegal? It was, that, that was the way it was cast by the yes side. Yeah, and uh, um, nobody or most people just didn't take a time to look at the actual 
Bill, or sometimes I, I know uh, some folks have mentioned the wording was slightly different at the end, mm-hmm. uh, depending on the county you belong to. Right. So that also changes a, a little bit of how um, it, it can be viewed. Yeah. So that that is what it is, but it doesn't. Uh, there was no part of Prop One that banned your work mm-hmm. or banned the work of the Sacramento Life Center <laughs> no, yes. or the Gabriel Project, or which Sacramento is a good thing. That's a good thing. Usually, they try to put restrictions on how far we can pray from a, a clinic, uh, and the fact that that wasn't added to it or amended to it, it, it allows us to continue our work still. Yeah, and you know that the other thing, and I always try to emphasize it, is if those of us who are parents would regularly emphasize. The, the joy of parenthood. You know, you'll hear people just in casual conversation, oh, my teenager is driving me crazy, or <laughs> oh, I've been changing diapers all day, or, you know, just kind of that, you know, you, maybe you think you're being a little bit funny, but, you know, emphasize the joy of, of being with your kids. Take them to the grocery store with you. I know it's easier to leave them home. If, you know, I'm in a hurry. I just want to get in there and get out, and I don't want them grabbing boxes of cereal. Take them to the grocery store. Let people know how much mm-hmm. joy there is in parenthood. And that's one of the things that uh, I think Pope Francis has mentioned a lot, to be a witness. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that's a way exactly. of being a witness not only to the to the sacrament of marriage, but also witness to, to being pro-life exactly. in general. Exactly. Well, tell us a, l- a little more about the novena. It's going to go from parish to parish? Yes. Uh, so we're Some s- people I know will want to actually follow it follow it yeah, <laughs> no, yes. and they almost a pilgrimage uh so we're encouraging people uh to visit all uh, if they can to all the parishes but if do, not do you have a list of the nine or is yes. there a list available it's a list uh the list is on the website okay. uh so you can see the full schedule at www.s and sacramento cs and catholic ds and diocese dot org slash p l e a plea Mm-hmm. Uh, and you'll find the full website uh, with the dates and times. Uh, most of uh, our days are going to start with Mass, either mm-hmm. in the morning. Mm-hmm. I know some parishes have it in midday. So if you have an opportunity, just go uh, to your lunch, have Mass, stay a, l- uh, a few minutes with the Blessed Sacrament. That's uh, it's a wonderful lunchtime period. Yes. But, but we're going to be starting January 11th to the 19th. Uh, and it's going to be one parish, uh, the parish starting in uh, Vallejo and Benicia area, okay. moving up to Sacramento. Okay, very And good. then uh, we'll be, I think our last parish might be in um, here in Sacramento, uh, but we're going to be moving up to Redding and then coming back to uh, okay. Sacramento. And then we'll be ending on January 20th with the Respect Life Mass on Friday. So the novena will end on the 19th, mm-hmm. and then the Respect Life Mass on the uh, on the following day on on January 20. Uh, and part of this, uh, we'll be providing all the uh, prayers for each day on our website. So if people want to download the novena, they can. Uh, and also, uh, it's going to be available with English and Spanish. Very good, very very good. And if people want any uh, information, they give you a call mm-hmm. or send you an email. Go an email or uh, just visit the website. I know uh, the, all the material and promotion has been sent out to the parishes already. So they should have received uh, flyers and uh, the poster size uh, as well. Uh, so you could just either scan the QR code. If not, just visit the website um, when you get home. Very good. So a lot, a lot of other things happening. I guess we'll have you on uh, uh, more of this month. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> as, no, there's a lot as, of things happening. <laughs> so just just between you and me here, um, we won't turn the mics off, but uh, um, are you seeing progress? In the pro-life industry? Mm-hmm. I'm seeing a little bit of progress. Uh, I know COVID wasn't helpful. Yeah. Uh, but as we COVID move just, out, it, just put a, it, it slowed it, us it, down. It's a big brick wall, it seems. And I know that uh, there was a lot of uh, uh, communities up in um, Fairfield that worked really hard to continue their efforts. Um, many of many of them actually started praying from home. So one of the initiatives that was started by our, uh, our uh, one of our faithful uh, 
I believe his name is Rene. Uh, he started a spiritual prayer mm-hmm. to the Holy Spirit. So you don't have to be in front of the clinic. Right. You could have done it from home, choose an hour, and dedicate right. that hour. Right. And through that, uh, he was able actually to get around, I think, 40 or 50 people involved oh, yeah. in that oh. first year. And I know in our last uh, Respect Life gathering, I had him speak about it a little bit in order to encourage more people to do that. Because I know going to uh, to uh, in front of, of the Planned Parenthood clinic or any of the abortion clinics, it might be hard for someone who doesn't sure. have a card. So they could just call him. He usually mails in uh, his booklet to you, and uh, you could just pray from home. But it's a great dedication to start that. Uh, so he did a spiritual uh, prayer for that, uh, and I was grateful for 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 what he did, because that actually encouraged a lot of people to start praying for and not really necessarily be in front of the clinic, because yeah. there's always yeah. that fear of either someone's gonna honk at you or um, they might call the cops, and having those situations people, might be uh, a little if, bit difficult. For one of a better expression, it's not their cup of tea. Mm-hmm. It's not something you know. Maybe you have natural shyness, or you're just you just don't you don't like that the uncomfortableness of that and 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 i really understand that and i also uh, uh applaud those people who are, have the courage to do it yeah and for that reason he created that uh, so we've been using that for a while and been prom- promoting that with our ministries in order for people to to pray even if they're not going to be there That's physically true. and we mentioned uh and i always think about new listeners you know and they say <laughs> Uh, but we mentioned Sacramento Life Center, and we should point out that they they have just finished their 50th anniversary. Mm-hmm. Actually, the Sacramento Life Center started just just prior to uh, Roe v. Wade, and uh, not necessarily in anticipation of Roe v. Wade. I think Roe v. Wade sort of caught people by surprise. I, 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 the com- country was clearly heading in that direction, but it started because California preceded Roe v. Wade by making abortion legal in mm. the state of California. Oh, yeah. And uh, uh, one of two or three states at the time uh, that, that did make it legal. And and that's how the Sacramento Life Center started. And they just had their 50th anniversary and their big gala in November and, and had uh, actually had to turn people away. They had so many people wanting to, oh, yeah. be, it was to, booked. to be involved. <laughs> so, you know, those things, those things are all very encouraging. And uh, people should know that uh, Sacramento Life Center, I mean, it, it may be uh, you don't know about it, or maybe somebody you think should know about it, doesn't know about it. Um, no questions asked, come in, no cost. Mm-hmm. And, That's and, key. And that, you know, when you, when you think about it, Sacramento Life Center, Gabriel Project, uh, Bishop Bayos Maternity Home, uh, Mother Teresa Maternity Home up in Placerville, uh, St. Vincent de Paul, all... Nobody's charging you a dime. Mm-hmm. Nobody's making you fill out a form with your income taxes to say whether or not how much we're going to charge you on a sliding scale. Nothing. No questions asked. No, no people are just there to help you. Which it's it's a huge thing. I mean, you go to any other place, there's always all that paperwork. Uh, for me, it's already too much to do. Oh yeah. Um, oh, and the and fact they many, don't do that, it's it's amazing for many people and. And uh, I, I know I have, I have three kids in college right now, and you know you you're filling out, you know, <laughs> even the application applications. Is that, it's a lot. <laughs> uh, yeah, our, our son who's a senior in high school, just we didn't think he'd ever get it done. You know, mm-hmm. like like it was just. I mean, we're trying to help him, but but I, I mean, it's just like you look at all the. It's just mind-boggling. Or, or they try to do it online, and uh, you know, the computer's not working. Or it, it keeps rejecting me, Dad. You know, like, you know more about computers than I do. You know. No, oh, yeah. And and to have that just all no questions asked. I mean, imagine. And I remember Marie Leatherby at Sacramento Life Center saying, "We see, we see a lot of people that are undocumented," and and she says, you know. We're just here to love them and help them. And you can imagine if you're undocumented, in many cases, you don't, you don't want any connection with any, you know, with any federal or government entity. Connections, yeah. And, uh, of course, the Sacramento Life Center is not a governmental entity, but they're, they're there to help you. Mm-hmm. And you can walk in there, and before they're done, they're going to find you some insurance. 
They're going to find you a doctor. They're going to find you all these things that if, if you're new to the area or you're, you know, not, not out there in the world, um, they're going to walk you through all the red tape. They're going to cut the red tape for you. Th- those things stop people cold. Mm-hmm. You know, it's really hard for a lot of people. They're going to do it for you. You know, imagine not having a doctor, not having uh, any prenatal care, and you walk in there, and all of a sudden, you you're enveloped with warmth. Yeah, and that's how it should be. And that's how it should be. You know, I mean, uh, and and that's the kind of thing that I would think every Californian would be in favor of. Mm-hmm. You know, just let's, you know, even if you're pro-choice, great. Well, let's. This is a choice. This is helping people to have a choice. Mm-hmm. So explain a little bit, if you have a minute, um, I know you're involved in the Gabriel Project, what that is, how people can be involved, either from the site of helping or those who need help. Yeah, so the Gabriel Project is it's a parish-based ministry that helps uh, accompany moms uh, in need, especially those moms who are either uh, pregnant uh, or those who have already uh given birth and are in need of assistance in their first five years. Mm-hmm. Uh, so one of the things that we do is trying to promote that each parish have a Gabriel Project ministry. In case a parish is too small, we usually have shared parishes that come together. Mm-hmm. So a couple parishes collaborating, uh, working in one area. For example, in uh, Vacaville, we have uh, St. Mary's and St. Joseph working together as one ministry. Uh, and part of this ministry is just to connect moms with local resources, uh, local uh, uh, materials, food for babies, clothing, um, anything they need. Uh, mm-hmm. Sometimes it's even housing, depending on the parishes of ability and connections with their community. Uh, housing is provided uh, either at low cost or for free, depending on what resources they have or connections. Uh, when it comes to, I know when we had a food shortages for, uh, for uh, baby food and uh, uh, milk powder, um, parishes were able to provide those uh, uh, to the mothers uh, when it comes to uh, any other um, assistance let's say for example uh, getting a uh, let's say uh, baby seat for the car mm-hmm. or uh, anything usually that's where we refer them to the Sacramento Life Center because right. they provide those resources as well uh, sometimes they provide them um, uh, for, I mean, it's all free, but uh, usually they, they have them go through a little uh, parenting mm-hmm. course mm-hmm. Uh, in order for them to get little rewards. And there's milestones on mm-hmm. those. Um, and it's the way that people can actually get involved is either becoming an angel, so being the person who's in contact with the mother mm-hmm. and accompanying the mother, uh, or either supporting their parish ministries by either donating any of the items that they need uh, or just by providing their prayers. Uh, we usually have uh, one of those angels be a prayer person who dedicates their time to praying for the mom who's being accompanied. Uh, some parishes receive two, three moms per month, mm-hmm. and they journey with them. Depending on the circumstances, it could be between those nine months or a year or two. Um, and if uh, people want to donate monetarily, that's also accepted, uh, and we're grateful to... Uh, have the, that, those funds go directly to the parishes because whatever the parishes needs are, that's where the money would, would go to. Uh, if it comes to the diocese, usually what we do with the money is uh, we're trying to create grants mm-hmm. so parishes who are a little bit more in need can receive an extra funding for that uh, or usually it goes into uh, our Gabriel Project signs that we mm-hmm. put out in parishes uh, uh, or out in our uh, public communities as well. And people should know that you don't have to be a member of that parish. You don't have to be Catholic. You don't have to be Christian. You don't have to have a belief in God. You don't have to have anything but a need. Yeah. And that's the way That's the way all of our Catholic uh, charities, uh, et cetera, whether it's Sacramento Food Bank or Life Center or Loaves and Fishes, uh, um, there's, there's no questions asked. If you're if you're in need, we will help you, and or whether it's 
you know, flood damage or fire damage or what, whatever it is. Anything you need, yes. Anything you need, um, and and that that's the way it should be. And you know, that's the way that's the way most. And I, I obviously I'm Catholic. I'm proud to be Catholic, and this is the Bishop's Hour. But uh, it's the way most most good charities are. You know that um, other faiths that that have charities. You know they don't they're not going to beat you over the head before they give you true something. To <laughs> eat, you know and. Um, it's just, it's just, it, it makes me makes me proud to be Catholic. That uh, all the all the great things uh, you look at, all the different ministries and the work you do. You know, it's it's uh, the Gabriel Project. How how do people? How do the people in need know about the Gabriel Project? I mean, you'll know about it in your parish, mm-hmm. you know, and because you, your parish has a ministry. Uh, not all parishes have it, but no. uh, uh, you, that's the, the goal, ultimately. Usually, uh, either uh, what, what our primary way of getting our word out is through the signs. Mm-hmm. So the signs have a, um, a 1-800 like number, lawn. Yeah, yeah. and usually they call through the hotline. I know usually it's referred by um, maybe through a, a social worker or something. They usually call me or send me an email. Usually I tell them to call the number. Uh, that way it goes through the proper channels and everything. Um, or either to just uh, uh, call our coordinator uh, directly. Uh, so there's different ways. Our primary way is through those signs um, or the ways or any other connections that we have with other ministries as well, uh, both Christian or, or non-Christian mm-hmm. as well. Yeah, because I, I, I remain convinced that there there are a lot of people out there that, for a variety of reasons, have never heard of mm-hmm. the Gabriel Project or the Life Center or uh, anything else, and uh, Catholic or not Catholic, and um, a lot of those people are in need, and and I'm sure many of them uh, would would choose life. I I think it's I think it's uh, it's a natural human emotion to choose life. It, mm-hmm. ju- it just it is. is, you know. I mean, most most people are 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 very good people, you know, and, and I mean, God made us that way. We made us in the image and likeness of God. Uh, God's good. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, um, you know, uh, most people are good and, and they, 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 they don't want to abort. They want to, they want to choose life, mm-hmm. but some people really need help. And, and if those resources aren't there, then I understand uh, yeah. where the challenge is. Yeah. Uh, so that's one of the things that uh, we've been really trying to get uh, awareness out as much as we can, uh, especially in, in our youth, having them, uh, we're trying to, cre- we created business cards with QR codes so they could just simply pass on the business card to a friend or a family mm-hmm. member uh, who's in need. There's mm-hmm. no need to, um, I don't know, go to a uh, directory and look it up. You could just pick up a business card right. and give it to anyone. Right. Uh, and if it's something that you don't, you want to keep it discreet, a business card is pretty discreet it way is. of passing sure something. Sure so it's, it's, it's another way we were trying to approach is providing that. And one of the lovely things about the Gabriel Project is uh, if those people who are going through the process um, have in the past not chosen life, we usually connect them to the Rachel's Vineyard. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, 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 retreats, so that's a great segue, especially those who are Catholic, to have a spiritual connection back to our faith, or connecting them to uh, either a local Bible study uh, right. uh, session or prayer group in order for them to feel supported spiritually as well. Right. Well, it's wonderful, wonderful stuff. Moises, always a pleasure to have you on the show. And no, thank I you know both. we're going to have you back to talk about some other uh, pro-life activities as as we move through the month of January and. Hopefully spring's coming. Yes. <laughs> yes. Warm, warmer weather and blossoms. and We needed uh, the rain. We needed uh, the rain. Maybe not too so much, we'll, but... We'll, yeah, we, <laughs> we, we, don't, we don't need the wind and the rain at the same time. That's, that's exactly right. We appreciate all you do, and uh, God's blessings to you and your family for no, thank uh, you. just a, a, a blessed and very productive new year. Thank you. Thank you, Bob. Thanks so much, Moises. Uh, we'll take a quick break. Back with more on the Bishop's Hour right after this. This portion of the Bishop's Hour is brought to you by a grant from the St. Vincent de Paul Society. Drop by and shop at the thrift store, a beautiful, beautiful thrift store at 2275 Watt Avenue. Open Mondays through Saturdays from 10 to 8 and Sundays from 11 to 6. 
They also accept donations at the store, donations of furniture, appliances, clothing, books, everyday household items. Your donations help to fund the many projects of the St. Vincent de Paul Society throughout the Diocese of Sacramento. Do such wonderful, wonderful work, and the thrift store is uh, one of the the ways they uh, raise the funds to help people throughout the diocese, and also uh, many of their clients are able to access the uh, thrift store for uh, items that they need. You can uh, give them a call. They will come pick it up as well, but you can uh, give them a call. They're at 916-972-1212. And remember, again, the thrift store is open uh, seven days a week at 2275 Watt Avenue right here in Sacramento. Well, Bishop Soto refers to Christ the King Retreat Center as the jewel of the diocese, and indeed it is. What a beautiful oasis it is. It's located in Citrus Heights, uh, right in the hustle and bustle of the city, and you feel like you're getting away from it all when you uh, turn off the main road and just uh, uh, come into Christ the King Passionist Retreat Center. Christ the King has served Northern California and the Diocese of Sacramento for over 60 years through parish weekend retreats, individual spiritual direction, and a variety of other programs. For information on all the programs that they offer, including residential programs, give them a call. They're at 916-725-4720, or you can visit them at 6520 Van Maren Lane in Citrus Heights. And we certainly thank uh, the St. Vincent de Paul Society and Christ the King Passionist Retreat Center for their fine and long-standing support of the Bishop's Hour. We'd like to thank all the wonderful people and organizations, uh, businesses in town uh, and throughout the Diocese of Sacramento who have provided underwriting for the Bishop's Hour. Uh, some in the last few years, some uh, have been with us for a very long time. If you would like to be an underwriter for the Bishop's Radio Hour, uh, it's a wonderful opportunity to to support this mission and also to support the diocese and also uh, to get some uh, recognition for uh, your organization or for your business. The easiest way to do this is to uh, give us a shout, send us an email, radio at scd.org, and we can give you all the details about uh, helping to underwrite the Bishop's Radio Hour. Again, that's radio at scd.org. This is Deacon Kevin Stasco, the Director of the Office of Youth and Young Adult Ministry and Family and Faith Formation, and you're listening to the Bishop's Hour with Bob Dunning. Thank you, uh, Deacon Kevin, and thanks for all the great work you do, and thanks for that introduction. Well, we are pleased to welcome in uh, Deacon Bill uh, Geeky. Uh Deacon, good to, good to have you here. First time on the uh, Bishop's Hour. Nice to be here. Yes, nice to the baptism of fire. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Pull that mic just a little bit closer there. There you go. Um, you are the, the uh, coordinator of the detention ministry. I, I was in detention in high school a lot. You know, <laughs> it's a different kind of detention, isn't it? Yeah, people ask about that. Uh, yeah. The other kind of detention, uh, yeah. basically prisons and jails. Uh, taking care of the incarcerated and their spiritual needs uh, around the diocese. You know, and that is something that I know in this diocese, a long tradition in this diocese. Um, I, I think going, going back to probably to, to bishops that I didn't even know, but I know Bishop Quinn cared very much about the incarcerated, Bishop Wiegand, Bishop Garcia, and now uh, Bishop Soto. Um, all care so much about about the incarcerated, you know, um, g- going to not just caring, but but going to the prisons and talk about the detention ministry, just the kind of an overview of it. Well, I think that's probably how I first found out about it was the fact that our bishops have been very interested mm-hmm. and in parishes that I've been in, that's what the parishioners would talk about, right. that the bishops would come in uh, back in the 90s, I remember uh, Bishop Garcia was going to right. High Desert uh, Prison. I was living in Reading at the time. And Way we had, up in Susanville. Yeah, we had parishioners that would drive out to, to Susanville and sure. be there, and, and I was able to join them uh, sometimes when uh, Bishop Garcia would come over uh, for confirmation, uh, yeah. for masses. It's really nice to see the bishops getting around. Uh, it's, to the, it's a nice ride from Reading to Susanville. Yeah, well, uh, during the uh, summertime, during it was summer, beautiful. Yeah, yeah. I commuted when I started working up there as a chaplain. I, yeah. I commuted over the summertime, but then in the winter, it, it got a little bit harder. That's what we call Mount Lassen, huh? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, but that's, yeah, it's a beautiful area. So the 
do we do we visit all the prisons in the in the in the diocese? We have Catholic chaplains assigned at all our prisons. Actually, one one facility closed. The correctional facility in uh, Susanville right. closed, but there's the neighboring prison there still has our Catholic chaplain. Right. So we have uh, six Catholic chaplains. That includes three priests, uh, a deacon, and, and two laymen uh, that are certified through the state and approved through the diocese. Uh, to be able to uh, do full-time chaplaincy. So mm -hmm. those are taken care of pretty well. Um, they all recruit volunteers. They get the local priests to come in where available. Um, the county jails, it, it can be a little more of a struggle because mm -hmm. uh, we don't have employed chaplains there, but we have leaders involved uh, that help us get our volunteers in. Um, and uh, of course, they're always wanting to recruit the local priests as, as priests rotate in and out of an area. We right. try and get them cleared to, to come in and help out. Uh, for the requested conf uh, confessions, uh, mass, uh, when we're able to, um, just basically support the sacramental life uh, right. of Catholics that are incarcerated, or anyone actually has access to our Catholic ministry. So the ones who are employed, are they State of California employees? Yes, yes. How, explain how that works. I, I know, uh, and, and I'm very supportive of it, uh, you know, you, I'm sure occasionally you run into the church-state divide stuff and and i say you know the military pr provides paid chaplains that are sometimes members of the military um because here you are in you know you're sent off somewhere and uh you have you have a, a right to practice your religion you know and and in, here you are incarcerated you still have a constitutional right to practice your religion, and this, all the state is doing is facilitating that. Yeah, I'd say that's a real good comparison um, to the military chaplaincy. Right. Um, <clears throat> we prefer it to be a priest so they can provide all the sacraments on site, but when it's a layperson, a deacon, they, they do their best to get the priests in there right. and provide what they can. Um, and yes, it, it's a matter of the person's constitutional rights because they are excluded from normal participation sure. uh, in their community. This makes sure that... Uh, the faith life is brought to them. And uh, there's there's Catholic uh, chaplains in uh, nearly all of our state prisons. Mm -hmm. uh, there, there's other chaplaincies as well, though the Protestant uh, groups are able to have chaplain in there, uh, Jewish groups, um, Native American spiritual leaders. Right. Uh, and, and so they, they all provide what they can. They, they try and work as a team because often sure. people have fallen away from faith and they kind of make a journey coming back perhaps testing with, with these sure. other faiths as they come back to the to what faith that they they can follow so 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 and so x is is going to be a chaplain salaried by the state of california but yes. who does the church have an input on who that person might be yes uh each person who's going to be a chaplain, um, the bishop of their diocese where that prison is located, needs to be able to give them a, a letter of good standing. Uh -huh. So uh, that needs to show that this person is in good standing with their faith. Um, usually it's if it's a priest, they've been incarnated with that diocese, same sure. way with the, the deacon. Uh, although sometimes not. Uh, in this case right now, we have a deacon who's uh, incarnated out of Stockton Diocese, mm -hmm. but he happens to be our chaplain right. at Mule Creek. Right. Um, and so uh, just that the church is given that input, that say-so, and it comes through uh, the local ordinary, through the bishop uh, being allowed to give that input. Um, and the, the state won't hire somebody unless they have that input. And it goes for the other faiths, too. I, I believe Native spiritual leaders mm -hmm. have to have a local tribal sure. uh, consent, uh, that sort of thing. Yeah, and, and presumably the, the other 49 states have something similar to, to what we have? Similar. I'm not sure that it's the same in all, in all states. I don't know if they all have uh, paid chaplaincies, mm -hmm. uh, but California has had that for 50 years or, or wow. more. Yeah, wow. quite a while. So how, how did you get well, first, first, how did you get into the diaconate? <laughs> well, um, I uh, was actually uh, already working in chaplaincy uh, somewhat. I, I had uh, found out about chaplaincy through other ministries that I've been doing uh, for my home parish uh, there in Reading mm -hmm. and found out about the you detention ministry. I was at St. Joseph's, yes. Yeah, okay. yes. And, and I had worked for the state, uh, and so I actually saw in some of the conservation camps uh, chaplaincy in action. I I got to know some of the people that would go to services. Mm -hmm. And in my parish, people were talking about helping out with that. Uh, and so I, I found out more about it and actually qualified as a, 
a youth authority chaplain. Um, so I went to Southern California for a while and, uh, and was a chaplain there. And then uh, an opening came up in Northern California. My family was still up here, so I, I moved up to, uh, uh, to Susanville um, <laughs> with the approval of uh, Bishop Weekend at that time and uh, was able to start there as a layman. Uh, but uh, the diaconate program was open to me, and I, I did uh, complete the diaconate program after I, I was already working as a chaplain. So kind of unusual. Usually it goes the other way around. Do so you but, commute once a month to Sacramento from Susanville? Uh, yeah, when we had the, <laughs> the classes here, yes. Yeah, that, yeah. Uh, from Susanville. Although it, it was only a, a couple of years before we uh, transferred down to Folsom, and I was okay. the uh, new Folsom chaplain for most of the years since then. And it was prior to Zoom? <laughs> yeah, yeah, we didn't have a lot of Zoom, but they gave us a lot of books to read. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, indeed. So now, so now you're you're, you're in this area. So are you native of, of Reading? Uh, no, actually, I grew up in Southern California and okay. uh, came up, uh, started working for the California Conservation Corps in Northern oh, California. Sure. I met my uh, wife, <laughs> mm-hmm. and uh, we raised our kids all in the northern counties, from Siskiyou County through uh, Shasta oh. County. And oh wow, <laughs> we're in Siskiyou County. County. Siskiyou County. Well, our firstborn was in uh, Happy Camp, but we lived in oh, Wairika for a while, so we we knew the North State pretty well. Yeah, uh, Happy Camp's an interesting place, isn't it? Yes, yes, yeah, yeah. And their little mission church burned down in one of right. the fires. Yeah, that's that's what we had heard about. Uh, of course, when we went there, uh, and probably even to the, this day, they had uh, mass had to be like Saturday morning because the priest had to do the circuit to go around all the rural churches. So yeah, yeah. the, the uh, head football coach at UC Davis, his his wife grew up in Happy Camp, oh, really? and and wow. uh, I, I I know her parents were very involved in the mm-hmm. in the in the church there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We were there for less than a year, I think, and then uh-huh. we went over to the other side, over to Modoc County, and uh, had our next child over there. <laughs> where, where were you now? Well, actually, we were south of Tule Lake, a little place called Dry Lake Station, and mm-hmm. the Conservation Corps put us in some isolated places for our, our crews back then. But uh, yeah, we, we got to know quite a bit of the North State. My kids grew up in those areas until we got to, to Redding. It's so. a beautiful country, isn't it? Yes, and yes. It's not what people think of of California, of people from from New York or something. They don't think <laughs> right. of Tule Lake or Happy Camp. Yeah, I think it stops at uh, Sacramento, I guess, yeah. is Northern California. So, yeah, I, so. I remember uh, when, when one of my kids was talking about California geography, and uh, I said, well, actually, Tule Lake, mm-hmm. the lake, mm-hmm. is two words. Yeah. The town, <laughs> Tule Lake, yeah. is one word. Because yeah. he, he came to me with Tule Lake, mm-hmm. eight letters. Mm-hmm. Together, and he didn't know how to pronounce it because you mm-hmm. you didn't see that it was Tule Lake, and yeah. I thought, well, it's just one of those little oddities of little horseradish, whatever horseradish, <laughs> yes, for sure. But it, you know, it brings up a, a good thing in speaking about the incarcerated because our diocese with these prisons and jails, they're even more isolated than in other parts of the state. Indeed they are. I think uh, all our bishops have recognized that, that uh, these guys just don't get the kind of visits that other people would have. Um, and so it's really important to have the church in there helping them out. Um, and of course we encourage them sure. if they, if they can get a visit on Sunday, we're not pushing for them to come into the chapel. If they can get right. their, their one or only right. you know, right. a few visits that they get for the year. But yeah, it's really important for, I think people to realize how isolated that can be. I mean, you're isolated anyway, just being incarcerated, right. but the fact that family's not going to be much right. in contact. So it really helps. Well, you know, I've, I've wondered this and I don't know the answer. Maybe you do is in sentencing, is there a consideration of where the family is and just in terms of you know the rate of recidivism and stuff and this the sense that that if, if you have some contact and you hear about it from get on the bus and and uh, the game the the uh, um, exodus project and those kinds of things that we're very concerned about people getting back in the, when it, when a judge is sentencing somebody does he is that part of the deal where where they send them or? you know i i don't know that that because you have different uh, levels of prison yeah. too more more recently i think that is has been more of a concern mm-hmm. uh because it is a social concern we we see that recidivism rate uh and, and the problems of something never having contact right. with with the people that they need to have contact with in their family um and and of course uh youth authority as they've uh started to uh, decline with their facilities now there's uh, I think maybe only one or two state facilities left for the youth they have been making sure that that those youth are are getting closer to a, a county area uh, where they can they can get some more local support mm-hmm. so it seems to me too uh, 
one of the benefits of chaplaincy, obviously, besides the constitutional right, is reintegration into into a community and and becoming, uh, you know, if if you if a person is a person of faith, I'm I'm hoping that they are they are going to go back into society and and maybe have have learned from their mistakes. Um, well, I hope anybody does, a person of faith or not, but but that if it's something that they want to pursue. Uh, this is this is uh, it's as good as job training. It's as good as uh, or better, of course. Right. Uh, yeah. that, I, I think that, I mean it makes sense for the state to do this anyway. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and for them to be able to have that part of the community available to them, where they're not <clears throat> feeling like they can't step into a church. But uh, um, so many of the the men that that I've dealt with that uh, uh, came into chapel and, and got reacquainted with their faith uh or maybe getting to know it for the first time um just knowing that as they go out that's another part of the community that they have access to that they have support from uh it, it's it's really helpful because uh, otherwise they can fall into the wrong part of the community again as you know their recidivism the revolving door if they get back into the part of the community that uh, is going to make them repeat or or make it easier to repeat their offenses uh, that can be a problem so yeah, you so you, you you hear about uh, people come out of prison and uh, these these sort of really feel good stories, and a lot of them found religion in prison. Is that frequently from the chaplains or even from fellow prisoners? Maybe. I, I think both. Um, we have some wonderful chaplains, but the chaplaincy itself has has great programs involved. Uh, we uh, <clears throat> like to support the Kairos program, which is a, a Catholic uh, Protestant ecumenical mm-hmm. ministry. So we have people from uh, from uh, those congregations coming in, working together. They're not pushing one particular doctrine within any of their faiths, but they're just winding to know that Christianity is there and this is how it works and and that can be supportive. And I think when they see that, especially a program like that where they see it's imperfect people coming in to tell their story about, you know, but for the (laughs) grace of God, you know, they could be there. Um, And, and, and coming to know that, that there is some possibility of improvement and some change. uh, And they, I think they, they follow through. Uh, They, they know that there's, there's a place for them. Um, they may not be from a church in our area, but when they're they're you know beyond their incarceration, they'll they'll find a church. So, so what are the, what are some of the challenges in prison ministry? Oh gosh, uh, probably getting used to it. Kind of like I, I think uh, was it first starting with the chaplaincy in Southern California, they they would emphasize to the volunteers it's like stepping into a foreign country. You're going to know the language. Uh, of course, anybody who's going to visit a, a prison or a jail, you remember that first time you hear that steel door close. Um, getting past that and knowing that that these incarcerated are going through that every day and they become kind of institutionalized maybe numb to the fact mm-hmm. that that they're in this other environment uh, that that can be a challenge for chaplains um, wanting to I say empath- empathize with their position without you know <laughs> di- diving off and you know going overboard with trying to you know call their family and help them out with every little thing but just encouraging them uh, in the faith uh, and to use the resource that they have uh, that those those can all be be challenges and uh, keep up with them I, I guess uh, you might say uh, you know don't don't lose track of the <laughs> the the forest uh, for the trees you know there's every single one of those those people can use a lot of help but uh, knowing that there's uh, there's help, you know, available within our chaplaincy, within programs that we can recommend uh, through, you know, volunteers or, or other sources, uh, and sometimes things that they don't uh, don't go for. Uh, they might not be asking for help that, that we know is available within the prison system, whether it's a faith-based uh, program mm-hmm. or not. We can encourage them to get into those just to uh, help themselves up. So what is available? Like, like let, let's talk about a, a, a faithful Catholic. Uh, obviously, you pray the rosary anytime you want to. You can pray anytime you want to. But could they go to daily mass? 
there'd be very few facilities with a daily mass. <clears throat> Even our prisons that have priests in them, they can't get around every facility right. within their prison to have a daily mass. If they if they could, would that be allowed within the prison? Um, there might be some daily uh, prayer, some way to get into a uh-huh. chapel almost every day. Although my experience in the prisons, uh, most of the men, even that wanted to spend a lot of time in the chapel, could probably get in maybe three or four times a week. Mm-hmm. Sometimes there's there's uh, facilities that, that it can be allowed that they can get into more of a variety of programs. Mm-hmm. Um, but, of course, the, the uh, chapels are shared uh, among the faith groups. Right. They might just not be of a faith group that, right. that can get in there and join a group. Um, ecumenical or interfaith groupings, I think that, that helps them to when they're open to to sitting with other groups, mm-hmm. uh, maybe in prayer or in some kind of support group, right. uh, that helps them to to spend more time uh, with like-minded uh, individuals sure. that want to improve themselves. Um, so so they could do that, uh, but uh, yeah, would not be exactly the equivalent of being able to go to your local parish for mass every day. So. Are are people on on death row? Are they? How how do you, how do you deal with people on death row, or do you know? Well, they're they're supposed to have <clears throat> similar, if not the same, kind of uh, rights. Uh, although sure. uh, uh, the death row that we've had in California, of course, San Quentin doesn't have that right now. But um, there was a priest that uh, the the assigned priest could go there and visit them every day. Mm-hmm. Um, we've had some people from there that have been assigned to other other prisons and that uh they may be in a special situation where the the chaplain would go to visit them but um that may have to do with their particular lockup situation uh just how uh easy it is or hard it is to be able to get in sometimes we've had priests scheduled uh for a while to to try and get in and and see somebody and you know have given their confession Mm -hmm. uh but uh, in fact, I'm, I'm thinking of a guy who had come over from death row and he wanted his anointing every month if he could get uh-huh. it or, or more often. And it just became difficult because of all the other things competing for the time right. to, to get in there and, and, and escort the priest in there to, to be there. Even when the priest is full time in the prison, just trying to get that time with individuals can be a challenge. So there's I mean, can you just describe a typical day for an I mean, I know there's there's so many different levels of. Of offenders and mm-hmm. and prisons and stuff, um, wh- how does somebody w- work their religion into a typical day in prison? Well, I can describe for the prison I worked at uh, New Folsom. <coughs> um, first thing in the morning, of course, they they have a their, their call for breakfast, and uh, in that prison. Uh, they had to wait for the, their meals to come around to them, so they wouldn't be able to go anywhere. Even if we had early morning programs that we wanted to schedule, mm-hmm. they wouldn't be able to get out till after that. Or, uh, in some cases, their yard had a, a call for their their medicines to be issued, and then of course they don't want a lot of things going on when that's happening. So right. it might take them till um, eight or nine o'clock, even though they might have been up. Uh, some of them get up and have duties that they have to take care of at, you know, five o'clock in the morning, mm-hmm. but they might not be able to get into a chapel program before eight or nine. Um, and then of course there's the counts during the day. So maybe they're in a program for an hour or so. And, and even if they want to go on the next one, they might have to go out for a count or something else going on in the yard. They do have yard time allowed, uh, under ideal circumstances, they might have, um, once or twice a day for an hour or two, uh, on the yard. Um, Sometimes it works out that they can get more time, uh, and depending on, of course, I'm talking about the the maximum security mm-hmm. prison in some cases, uh, where there's a lower security, like we had a um, the minimum security yard over there, where the guys might be able to stay out for you know four or five hours or so before a count uh, and just you know be on the yard, go to classes. Um, they do have some opportunity for education. Some things are mandatory; that they have to work on high school diploma uh, uh-huh. or, or some things. <clears throat> and that takes up part of their day. And as I said, the, the counts that happen for some of them, they have an extra count in the middle of the day. And then again, at like four o'clock in the afternoon before I don't dinner, think most of us knew about counts. Yeah. Obviously that's right. Or, or any emergency. Sometimes there's a count, you know, when the yard goes down because of some, you know, riot or fight or something going on and they may have to all be dismissed back to their, their buildings go back to their cell uh and then they try and get to the bottom of whatever you know was going on um so the, all those things just can happen uh any day any hour that you know it's disrupted um 
or you know if the prison ends up being short staffed for whatever reason uh then that starts cutting down the time that they're allowed to go out in yard because that's one of the first things that uh, you know can be difficult to sure. have enough sure. staff around to, to have them out of the yard so so are many prisoners working as well Depending on their location, yeah, and, and their particular status, they, they can get a job, and, and that's uh, helpful, and they, they enjoy that, um, although it may only be 15 cents an hour or something, mm-hmm. but uh, uh, they can be in a job. Uh, we had clerks and, and uh, others helping in the chapel, uh, and so they might be able to work for five or six hours out of the day, um, and so that, that helps them. Uh, it could be working in a kitchen, laundry, things like that, um, and that's usually so it considered. could be a significant amount of time in a day, though. Oh yeah, yeah, and they could volunteer sometimes to to mm-hmm. stay for an extra part of another shift. Say if the laundry has a first shift at four in the morning, and then another shift in the afternoon, they could always volunteer if they're you know available for something like that to stay longer. Um, most work would happen during i'd say the daylight hours you know between uh nine and three eight and two something like that yard workers um are are, are most of them uh is this a special privilege to be able to work uh yeah they're they're evaluated uh monthly to make sure they're keeping up with it they they can't have the same supervisor for more than a certain amount of time like uh maybe two years and then they have to switch to another supervisor um if they get written up for something they could lose that job that privilege there if they get transferred off the job say they were involved with a, a fight and they get transferred off of the the yard uh they don't know if they're going to be able to get that job when they come back mm-hmm. um so it's definitely a privilege uh, to be able to to work save up whatever little money that is um and then there are some jobs that might pay more. I think uh, some of the PIA jobs, or they're getting closer to, to a minimum wage type thing. But uh, what's a PIA job? Um, the Prison Industries Authority oh, has okay. some yeah. special programs. Uh, and I'm not sure if the license plate factory is part of mm-hmm. that. You know, at Old Folsom they make make license plates, and there's other other special. Is projects. there a reason why they don't want to pay them more than pennies? Um. I mean, besides well, say that, simple <laughs> economics, but, but uh, yeah. you know, you'd think it, um, somebody who's willing to work regularly, uh, uh, again, going back to recidivism and, and not, not just that, but for their own good, mm-hmm. um, we should be concerned about every human being that, that uh, yeah. if they come out with a little bit more money, they're going to have a heck of a lot better chance of staying away from crime, it seems. Right, and, and and it's sad, but I think that goes back to the way the the state works and the, probably the mindset of most taxpayers. We don't want to yeah, you know, be putting a lot of money into this, um, um, and you know, supposedly they're be giving, being given the you know the room board, whatever you know that that part of that is is, is there taken care yeah. of. But uh, yeah, it is sad because some of them will work a lot, and I I know of some that you know would actually donate to to minister. We we sometimes announcing charities like you know from the parish sure. and and the guys you know would put together money to send to the parish and you wow. know it took them a long time to, to, get to earn that same amount yeah sure well bill uh i got a million more questions we have to get you back on the air that would oh, be great oh, no problem yeah i'd thanks. like to come back sometime so. thanks so much if people want to know more about the detention ministry uh get a hold of you Yes, uh, yeah, uh, my email address, W-G-O-E-K-E at S-C-D dot org. Um, and, uh, yeah, I, I, you, you can uh, just leave me a message and, and find out what's available in the local area to be able to help out inside or outside. There's a lot of programs where a person can help out without ever stepping inside the prison, uh, just some other programs we have going on. So Very good. Well, it's a, it's a joy to meet you. Thanks so much for your time and for... You've got a great, you've got a, a tough, tough job. I'm glad you're the one doing it and not me. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Bob. I appreciate it. And, and for the chaplains, of course, since I've retired, I don't, I, I'm not in the facilities right. as much anymore. And I really appreciate every chaplain and, and, and the volunteers and especially a plug for those priests that find time to go in because it, it can be tough to, to get in there and, and provide the sacraments. So. Great. Well, thanks so much and have a, a blessed and productive new year. Thank you, Bob. Appreciate it. Well, that's, that's going to do it for us for a day. Thanks for listening. God bless everyone. Well, here I am in a river of questions. Can I pour my heart out to a listening ear?
Well, I see this life, it's valleys and mountains, and I think of all the roads that brought me here, oh, that brought me here, walking down, walking down the road. Well, I've questioned my reasons, this life I'm living, I question my ability to judge wrong from I questioned all the things I've ever called certain My race, my religion, my country, my mind But the one thing I don't question is you You really love me like you say you do You really love me like you say you do So Significance, meaning and relevance Does the work I'm doing really matter at all? Well, I question my friendships, alliance, dependence Who will still be here? 